present The Curse of the Golden Cross, adapted by John Scotney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. 620 miles yesterday, I was nowhere near it. Me neither. <laughs> How about you, Professor? I beg your pardon? What is this? Oh, well, surely you know, Professor. Each day they, they run a kind of sweepstake on how far the ship has travelled. What a curious notion. Some people will gamble on anything. Hey, look who's coming up for air. Poor old Father Brown. Oh, he sure looks one very sick priest. <laughs> Father Brown, how are you feeling today? Oh, oh, not very well, I'm afraid, Lady Diana. Oh, my poor fellow. Uh, Do sit down. Yes, thank you, I, I will. Uh, Father Brown. Oh, yes. Avoid jam. I beg your pardon, Lady Diana. Avoid jam, especially strawberry jam. That's the answer. I always do, and I'm never seasick. Except, curiously, once on a Nile steamer. But that could have been the pickled octopus. It tasted awfully funny, I remember. Uh, pickled? Uh, oh, dear. Yes, I expect it was. Rum and grapefruit juice. That's a cure. Or champagne with a measure of brandy. That sounds like your style, Leonard. Oh. Hey, you got any ideas, Prof? I confess I'm not a good traveller, but I generally manage to remain moderately healthy by avoiding alcohol and rich foods. <laughs> perhaps you might try some lemon tea, Father Brown. Lemon tea? Oh, yes. Yes, perhaps I will. Steward? Yes, sir? Bring us two glasses of lemon tea, will you? Yes, sir. I say, Professor, you're something of an expert on Byzantine... Um, um, Byzantine thingies, aren't you? I have written eight or nine books on various aspects of the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. Yes. But I've been looking through the New York papers we picked up just before we left. There's something about the body of a Byzantine bishop being found somewhere on the south coast, near, near Dover. Oh, right. Now, if I can ask you as a specialist in the field, isn't that pretty improbable in the 15th century? I mean... Dover's an awfully long way from Constantinople. Dover's <laughs> also a long way from Jerusalem. But plenty of crusaders made that journey three centuries earlier. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but, Mr. Smythe, you say I'm a specialist in this field? Well, that's what everyone says. I must tell you, Mr. Smythe, that the hardest thing on earth is to specialize. How can a man know anything about Byzantium till he knows everything about Rome before it, and indeed about Islam? Why, take algebra. Oh, but I won't take algebra, Professor Smale. I never did and I never do. But I love anything really ancient. I was with Gatton in Egypt, you know, when he opened those first dynasty tomb things, oh, and I got exactly. some jolly good bits for my collection. <laughs> uh, Gatton, you say? He's an interesting man. That brother of his who went into Parliament, he was tipped for a cabinet office, you know. We're not talking politics now, Prof. I'll lay you six to four you're going to visit that little village where they found this bishop by in uh, Kent, isn't that mm -hmm. it? Hmm. You know, Mr. Tarrant, Kent's pretty large as these little English sections go. You could wander in it for a goodish time, and it's a good place to wander in. You don't say. I don't know about you, Diana, 
I feel like a drink. Not before you've had a game of shovelboard with me. Oh. Your word is my command. <laughs> Excuse me, gentlemen. I reckon I'll join you. I'll lay you ten to one. Join us if you like, but we're playing purely for fun. Goodbye, Father Brown. Oh, goodbye. Professor Snail. Lady Diana. Yes. Oh, dear. Lady Diana seems to have travelled very widely. Lady Diana is the wife of a rich fool who doesn't know she's gallivanting about with that drunken, good-for-nothing Smythe, who in turn is no doubt being fleeced by my fellow countryman, the card shop, Tarrant. But uh, what about her collection of antiquities and her travels? I believe she's been as far as Luxor in Egypt. Thanks to Thomas Cook, Luxor is nowadays as easy to get to as Paris. They even had an English dance band and theatre company when I was last there. Oh, really? Your lemon tea, gentlemen. Oh, thank you, Stuart. Thank you so much. Yes. You know, Father Brown, mm. you were pretty quiet during that conversation about the bishop. I was? Tell me, what do you think was the point of that little talk? Um, well, um... Well, it seemed to me that the company made three attempts to get you to talk about the corpse of a bishop found in Kent. And um, you, on your side, offered to talk about algebra, and then politics, and then the Kent landscape. <laughs> in short, you thought I was ready to talk about any subject but that one. You were quite right. Ah, yes. Oh, this lemon tea is excellent, Stuart. Thank you, sir. Mm. Now, see here, Father Brown. I've only known you a few days, but I consider you were about the wisest and straightest man I ever met. Oh! So I'm going to what tell to you why I was careful. Yes. No, plain scared of mentioning anything about the find. The con man Tarrant, by the way, he was right to guess that that's why I'm going to Europe to look at it. Ah. A couple of years ago, I was in Egypt. I got a call from Gatton. One of his colleagues had been doing some work on the 20th Dynasty Pharaohs. Their tombs are hollowed out deep in a reasonably remote valley. Uh, that's the Valley of the Kings. Exactly. All of these tombs were robbed in Roman times, but he found some evidence that people had been living in one in the first century. Oh. Of course, being an Egyptologist, Gatton wasn't interested in anything later than 1000 BC, but he thought his finds might interest me. And they certainly did. I found the walls were covered in this symbol. Here, I'll draw it for you. <clears throat> Oh, yes. There. Ah, yes, yes. It's the ichthus, the fish, the, um, the early symbol for Christ. Uh, yes. yes, Father yes. Brown. I believe that this tomb was used by the earliest Christian groups in Egypt to escape persecution. Just like the catacombs in Rome. Only the catacombs were used as a refuge for the third century persecution of Diocletian. These dated from Nero's persecution, only 20 or 30 years after Christ's death. Good heavens. I made my way along a maze of subterranean passages which led to a heap of broken vessels. Buried under this heap, I found a small gold cross. On the back was the same realistic fish design. Ah. Father Brown, I realized with awe that I was holding probably the earliest known item of Christian regalia, a cross that for all I knew might have belonged to St. Paul himself. Mm. Then the nightmare began. How do you mean? I started back. Everyone walking along stone passages knows what it is to be followed by phantom feet. The echo of one's own steps flapping along behind. The echo didn't worry me until I stopped to examine one of the painted figures on the wall. 
and found the other feet did not stop. Hey, hello, is anyone there? Hello? I said, is anyone there? Oh, good God, what do you want? What do you mean? You have what? What do you mean it belongs to you? It belongs to me. It would be better for you to return it. I'm pretty unsuperstitious, Father Brown, but I confess I got scared. I began to run. Get away, Professor. Then we came to a long, straight passage. I could just make out a shape at the end. Bullet bounced off the wall by my head. That must have been frightening. Strangely enough, I was reassured. At least I knew my pursuer was human. Ghosts, I imagine, don't carry modern firearms. Anyway, eventually I got out and made as much speed as I could back to my hotel in Luxor. Mm -hmm. Next day, a note arrived. I've got it here. The cross is mine. I found it, but I was with another and could not remove it. When I came back yesterday to retrieve it, I found you had stolen it some minutes before. Return it to the place you found it, or you will die. Hmm. Over the last couple of years, I've received several similar messages. Your tea's cold, sir. Would you like some more? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, well, I will. And uh, oh, could I have some chicken sandwiches, Stuart? Uh, do you know, I'm beginning to feel better. Uh, yes, sir. I'll go and get them now. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, Professor Smale, it's a disturbing story, but um, what has it to do with the find in Kent? The vicar at Dulham is something of an amateur archaeologist. Apparently, he met me at a conference some years back. He wrote to me to say that the bishop seemed to have a similar cross with him. Good Lord. It's perfectly understandable. In the early 15th century, the Byzantine emperors were hard-pressed by the Turks. They sent several embassies to Europe. Mm -hmm. The cross might have been a gift to Henry V. It wasn't long after Agincourt, and he was reckoned to be the best soldier in Europe. You kept changing the subject over the bishop because you suspect one of our fellow passengers is your mysterious enemy. I know it. This note arrived in my cabin this morning. You'll see the handwriting's the same. Ah, oh, yes, yes, I see what you mean. The cross in Kent is mine by rights. Touch it and you die. Hmm. Seems to have a rather dramatic turn of phrase. Have you any idea who it might be? It could be anyone on board. Hmm. He may be me. <laughs> he may be anyone else. You're the only man I feel sure is not my enemy. Well, oddly enough, I'm not. But the man, the person threatening you, might try to arrive at the village before you and... Um, impersonate you. I hope my plan should take care of that. Your plan? I've telegraphed ahead for a fast automobile and a driver to be waiting for me at Southampton. It's only 130, 140 miles to Dulham. I intend getting there before anyone else, and I'll wait. If any one of the passengers from this boat turns up there, I'll know my man and I'll have my revolver in my pocket. Father Brown, I hate to impose on you, but I'd be mighty grateful if you'd come with me to Dulham. 
We'll be there first, and we'll have the element of surprise on our side. I can't see anything going wrong. What in heaven's name is wrong with this automobile driver? Can't say as I can say, sir. Oh, hang on. Oh... Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Worse than I thought, sir. Can't fix it on my own, I'm afraid. Damned automobiles. We've been here an hour and three quarters. I wonder where the devil the nearest railroad station is. I say, can you hear? Yes, it sounds like another motor car. Oh, yes. Look, I say, uh, stop. Oh, hey. Stop, please. Stop. Thank you. Can we help you, Chuck? Oh, yes. I say, Father Brown and Professor Smythe. Mr. Smythe, Lady Diana, this is very fortunate. What are you doing in these parts, Smythe? My dear Professor, your Byzantine bishop was simply too exciting to be missed. We simply had to come along. Anything we can do to help, driver? Best thing I can ask you to do, sir, is uh, telephone this number. They'll send someone to tow us into Dover. We'll do, old man, we'll do. Now... Professor Smale, Father Barn, unless you want to walk the rest of the way, you'd better hop in. There's plenty of room. Oh, thank you so much. You come too, Professor. You must tell us all about this bishop, this discovery at Dalham. Oh, very well. Here we are, safe and sound. This looks like the church. Look at that. There's a telegraph office by the little station. Uh, excuse me. I'll just go and telegraph the motor car company about the breakdown. I won't be long. He seems very nervous, the professor. Yes, yes, I think he is. Oh, look, look, over there. That roped-off hole by the church. That must be the excavation. Ah, come on. Ah, let's go and have a look at it. Ah. May I help you, Father Brown? Oh, yes, but what about Lady Diana? Oh, I can look after myself, Father Brown. There, see? Come on, Leonard, I'll race you. Oh, uh, hang on. Uh, there. Uh, uh, you're all right now, yes, Father Brown? Yes, thank you so much. So kind. Right, you're on, Diana. Mm. Hey, good God. Look who's coming out of the, the hole, the excavation place. Oh, no, Leonard, it can't be. It's that damn swine talent. What the devil's he playing at? Shh, darling. Oh, uh, why, Mr. Tarrant? Lady Diana and Mr. Smythe and Father <laughs> Brown. Yes. So, you've all come to look at the famous bishop, too. Yes, <laughs> I can tell you. It's quite something. It seems the old boy was embalmed. He's lying there as large as life and twice as natural. Come and have a look. Um, uh, the vicar, shouldn't we see him first? Oh, Mr. Walters, he's down here now. He was just coming out when I got here. Ah. Suddenly scurried back down again. Forgot his glasses or something. He's a real eccentric. Come down and meet him. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my the steps, Diana, they're, they're pretty muddy. Oh, gosh. A real tunnel. Isn't it Fine. spooky? You wait till you hear about the curse. What curse? Mr. Walters, the vicar, he'll tell you. Are you all right, Father Oh, Brown? yes, 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 I think so. I can't see a thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Dear, I'm sorry. I'm oh, afraid I'm rather short. Oh, I beg your pardon. It can't be worse than me. Dear, it is dark. 
I've only brought one candle, Dime. Ah. I, I didn't expect visitors. I'm Mr. Walters, the vicar here. Oh, How do you This do? is uh, Father Brown, Mr. Oh, Walters. Oh, and may I introduce Lady Diana Wales? Uh, charmed. Uh, Mr. Leonard Smythe? Uh, I'm afraid it's a little cramped. <laughs> well, as you can see, or I hope you can see, here's the old bishop. <gasps> He's amazing. He looks almost alive. This. Yes. Apparently, the Byzantines had brought the craft of embalming to an almost modern level. Can I have a closer look? No, 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 I beg you. The coffin lid is only propped up by a stick. It's not safe. Oh, but I must. Stand back, darling. That lid looks pretty heavy. Look at those vestments. They must be cloth of gold. Right. I've never seen anything like it. But what's this about a curse, Mr. Walters? Uh, briefly, it seems that one Guy of Geysers was lord of the manor here when the bishop passed through. Yes. Uh, Guy, who was something of a ruffian, attacked him and mortally injuring the old bishop and robbed him of all he had, including this gold cross. Wow. But before he died, the bishop proclaimed a curse on Guy and all others who should desecrate the sacred relic. And did he die? Yes. Guy died horribly of the plague a few months later, but not before he had disposed of the cross to a Jewish moneylender. You're going to tell us something horrible happened to the Jew? Yes, but first... Guy's son, who had become a monk, perhaps because he was disgusted by his father's banditry, made the Jew hand the cross back. And how did he do that? Apparently, the Jew was his vassal. Oh? Yes, yes. But you said something about the Jew dying a horrible death. Oh, yes. By that time, the Jew also had the plague, and he too died. Oh. The son returned the cross to the tomb, and to stop anyone touching it, added his own curse to that of the bishop, that anyone who so much as lays a finger on it will also be accursed. And here I am, holding it in my hand. Oh. <laughs> Hello? Who's there? Hello? Hello? Who's there? What? Professor, what what are you doing? I, uh, when I heard voices, I, I thought someone was robbing the tomb. Well, you can put the revolver away, Prof. It's only us. Tarrant, are you here too? Sure am. Came on the railroad. I was the first one here. Well, what, what kept you, Professor? I went to look for the vicar. Oh, well, he's here. Who is this person? Well, this is Professor Smale, Mr. Walters. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. See, don't I know you from somewhere? Quite possibly, Professor. I've certainly been expecting you. If you'd care to come over here, I can show you the cross. This way. Sorry. Oh, sorry. My eyes aren't used to the light yet. Uh, over here by the bishop. Oh. I'm afraid there's only the one candle. Oh, oh, over here. Hang on. Don't all crowd round. Oh, what happened? What happened? See, I couldn't quite see. Uh, one of us, my God, it could have been me, must have caught the stick propping the lid up. Oh, oh my God. Well, come on, let's try, try and get the lid up. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is terrible, terrible. Yes. I must get help. I must get help. Come on, I think we've got it up yeah. right, Mr. Smythe. Will you, will you, will you pull him out? Of course. Oh. Oh. 
Ah, oh, that's it. Yes. There. All right. All right. Yes. You better be carried up into the air. I reckon there's a chance for... Hey, give me a hand. We'll carry him out. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Right. Watch it. Gently does it. Yes. Careful now. Careful. There. Put him down. Put gently. That's oh. under his yeah. He isn't oh. dead, but I think it's pretty bad. Yes. Mr. Smythe, yes. would you go and get help in your motor car? Bring a doctor? But hasn't the vicar gone? Yes, well, I think you should go as well. Yes, but... Come on, Diana. Don't argue. We'll be as quick as we can. Well, thank you so much. Well, this... I've done what I can for him. Yes, that's very professional, Mr. Tarrant. You obviously know what you're doing. My business, you have to yes. know a bit about this sort of thing. I guess you must have realized I'm not what I seem. Well, I thought of it about halfway through the voyage. I imagine you're a detective employed by Lady Diana's husband to follow her and Smythe, <laughs> are you? Sure thing, Father <laughs> yes. Brown. Yes. That's why I came here. Well, not to see the mummy. Hmm. I came because I heard they were coming here. Uh, the lovebirds. By the way, uh, why did you send them off? After the vicar's gone to get help. Oh, I sent them off to get a doctor, as I said. Uh, you see, you're not the only person who isn't what you seem. Uh, 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 How is he, doctor? The professor. Yes. Well, I've given him a draft, and he's resting now. Oh, good. Oh, he's very weak, but uh, much better than he was this morning. It was your prompt action that saved him, Mr. Tarrant. Oh, oh, indeed. Do. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must get back. I'll come again tomorrow. You're all staying here at the inn? Uh, yes, we thought it best, uh, just for a day or so, until we're sure about Professor Smale's condition. Well, you'll find it a pleasant enough place, if you can enjoy yourselves in the circumstances. There are some excellent walks by the cliffs. Oh, thank you. Oh, good evening. Uh, good evening, Doctor. Thank you so much. I don't think we shall be walking by the cliffs again, not after what we found there just now. No. What do you mean? It's the bishop's curse. It's taken the vicar just as it did the professor. What, what in the world has happened now? Mr. Walters, uh, the vicar, has committed suicide. I don't believe we, We've just found his black hat and clothes by the cliff top. He appears to have jumped into the sea. Huh. I suppose the shock of what he did unhinged him. In fact, I was just going to telephone the police to tell them of the vicar's death. I already have telephoned them about the vicar's death. Hmm? I, I expect they'll be here soon. What? Well, how did you know? Well, when? About an hour ago, Mr. Smythe, as soon as I felt able to leave the professor's bedside. But, but we've only just... How do you mean? Well, Lady Diana, you've travelled to the ends of the earth in search of ancient history, but uh, what do you know about our own history? The men who built your own parish churches, framed our laws, gave their names to our towns. Now, I don't claim to know that much myself, but I do know that no Jew could have been the vassal of a feudal lord. Uh, they were all directly under the king. Mm. And in any case, in the early 15th century, there were no Jewish moneylenders in England. The Jews had all been expelled a hundred years before by Edward I. You mean the story of the curse wasn't true? Indeed, I do mean that. It had nothing to do with the Middle Ages. It was made up by somebody whose notions of medieval life came from novels and melodramas. It was probably invented on the spur of the moment. You mean the vicar made it up? No, I mean the vicar's murderer did. What's this about the vicar's murderer? I mean, how do you know he was murdered? I can't even be completely sure he's dead or we haven't seen the body. But you have seen his body. 
dressed in the bishop's golden robes and lit by a single candle. And oh. you've seen his murderer. Spinning us a romantic tale about a curse before dashing off and abandoning his stolen clothes on the clifftop. Indeed so. <laughs> My God. Do you mean the corpse was actually the dead vicar and the man we talked to was his murderer? Yes. Sure was good of you to come to my oh, lecture, Father Brown. Not at all, not at all. It was extremely enlightening. <laughs> in, in fact, I'm surprised you gave it. Only six weeks after what happened to you. Oh, one has one's duty to one's students. Mm. Do you think he'll hang? Uh, oh, oh no, 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 no. He's clearly a monomaniac, completely insane. How did you realize it was him? Well, um, I'm rather short-sighted, but. Um, like you, I thought I recognised him. And then it occurred to me that uh, it isn't uncommon for actors to take jobs as ship's stewards between engagements. And you had mentioned there was a company of actors in Luxor when you were last there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was why he was able to impersonate the vicar so effectively. Yes, and also perhaps explains the melodramatic quality of the notes. But why do you think he killed the vicar? Ah, I thought of that when he didn't seem to recognize you. If you remember, the steward wasn't present when you told me on board the ship. Do you remember mm -hmm. that the vicar knew you by sight? Oh. Well, perhaps when he came to the village, he pretended to be you, and uh, when Walters, the real vicar, realized he was fake, uh, the steward simply killed him. <sighs> Poor fellow. Oh, and by the way... Embalming was pretty rare in the 15th century, and there's no way the body would have been in that state of preservation. Oh, really? So the card shop was not a card shop, the vicar wasn't a vicar, mm -hmm. the mummy wasn't a mummy, and the medieval legend wasn't a medieval legend. <laughs> Perhaps it's as well there are some eternal verities. Yes. <laughs> Do you know, I think I'm beginning to understand something. Something I never understood before. Oh? So the steward was mad. He was obsessed with one thing. Why should I worry? Because one madman among a million sane men leagued in a great society against him chooses to brag of pursuing me to death. The man who drew those fishes, the secret symbol of Christ in the dark catacomb, he was pursued and persecuted too. He had his obsession and the whole of supposedly sane society was against him, not in the dark tunnels, but ranged in ranks in the daylight and owning all the earth and commanding all the armies and crowds. Yes, yes. The fish was driven underground, will, I fear, be driven underground again, but it will come out into the daylight once more. <laughs> As St. Anthony of Padua remarked, it is only fishes who survive the deluge. In The Curse of the Golden Cross by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs, Professor Smale by Tim Reynolds, Mr. Tarrant by Peter Marinka, Lady Diana Wales by Natasha Pine, Leonard Smythe by Peter Wickham, The Steward, The Vicar and The Voice by Terry O'Brien, the Driver by Jonathan Taffler, and The Doctor by Eric Stavell. The Curse of the Golden Cross was adapted by John Scotney, and the director from Bristol was Alec Reed. We 
present The Actor and the Alibi, adapted by John Scotney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. Um, excuse me? Uh, sorry, sir. The box office is shut at the moment. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to see the play. No, not many do, I'm afraid. Well, what can we do for you? I had a message from your Mr Jarvis. Ah, well, I'm afraid he's rehearsing on stage at the moment. Well, he said a Mr Mandeville needed my help. Of course, Father, it went out of my head, it did. Oh, I'm sorry. What with all the bother of the first night, Mr Mandeville's at the back of the house, uh, through here. Ah, thank you. Only, if you'll be as quiet as you can, they're in the middle of rehearsing. Yes, of course. It's Father Brown for you, Mr. Mandeville. Oh, hello, Father Brown. Thank you for coming so quick. Well, if you'll excuse me, gents. How do you do, Mr. Mandeville? A Mundan Mandeville, Father. So licensee and proprietor of the Hippolyum Theatre. Well, really, the name is Potter. Only you've got to call yourself something posh in this business, haven't you? I suppose so. Uh, Mr. Jarvis said you needed my help, Mr. Mandeville. That I do, Father Brown, that I do. It's Miss Moroni, a very beautiful, very talented little lady, but, well, you know, Italian background and the old Latin temperament. They're all mad, I reckon. Dear guest, we'd be awfully grateful if you'd be a little quieter. We are trying to rehearse. And it does affect the concentration, so... Sorry, dear heart, only it's Father Brown, the priest. He's arrived. Oh, Father Brown, yeah. it's very good of you to come. All right, everybody, break for five minutes. Oh, oh, you bring Father Brown up here, Mother dear. Yes, my love, this way, if you would, Father. Oh, I meant to ask, how come that you know Ashton? Ashton? Oh, Mr Jarvis. Well, he's a Catholic. He comes to Mass sometimes. Now, Ashton about a Mr... Catholic, is he now? Oh, Father oh, well. Brown, do please come up. Thank you. My steps. <laughs> They're only temporary. Ah, yes, thank you so much. Yes, careful now, Father Brown. That's it. That's it. I really don't know why my husband troubled you, Father Brown. But thank you for coming. Oh, you've met Mr. Jarvis, of course. Yes. Morning, Father. Morning. You got my telephone message. Oh, indeed. Oh, I do hope you can help, Father Brown. I really do, yes, I tell you. Yes, well, so do I. But I do need to know what exactly your problem is with Miss Moroni. She's been in a most peculiar mood ever since we started rehearsals. She came to me highly recommended. I assure you, my dear, very highly recommended. Yes, she is a very pretty girl. I gave her every advantage and she does this to me. Uh, does what? Oh, I ask you. Looks too um, naughty. Uh, Mr. Jarvis, she has locked herself in her dressing room, Father, refuses to come out, and has spent the last three hours alternately sobbing and shouting through the keyhole in Italian. Well, none of us speaks Italian, and you do, and she refuses to speak English. Ah, now I understand. I suppose there is some reason for her flying off the handle like this. Does anyone know what it is? Dissatisfied with her part, I believe. I can only say, Father Brown, that she has been quite impossible all week. And I gave her what ought to be the best part. It's supposed to be what stage-struck young women want, isn't it? To act the beautiful young heroine and marry the beautiful young hero in a shower of bouquets and cheers from the gallery. But she is far from grateful. Women of my age naturally have to fall back on playing matrons. And I was careful to confide myself to that. Oh, my dear, you're most unfair to yourself. You really are. <laughs> but if you wouldn't mind, Father Brown, we ought to go and see if you can get through to Miss Moroni this way. If you just come this way. Uh, aren't you needed here? 
No, it's all above my head, this stuff. The classics. I'll leave it to the wife. She's the clever one. Now, through here. Watch this. Good heavens. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? Demon King used to pop out through there. Come on, we'll let him get on with it. The Demon King, you said? Yeah. I miss all that, you know. I've had this theatre 20 years old since 92. Cool, 1892. <laughs> I was, what, 28 then? Yeah. I used to love the pantos. We did them all. Mm. Had the stage rigged out with trap doors, every trick in the book. And a few that weren't in the book. Mm. I still keep all the old sets down here under the stage. Yeah. Have a look at this. Oh. Why, it, um, it looks like, like, uh, like Bluebeard's Castle. So it is. Ah. Yeah. Of course, the mice have got out a bit now. But look at that. Lovely bit of work. Oh, the laughter of children, Father Brown. The laughter of the kiddies. Nothing like it. Oh, yes. No. Oh, we had all here we did in the old days. Little Titch. Oh. Yes. Mr. Ralph, he always had to be called. <laughs> George Eastwood. Vesta Tilly. Yeah. We even had poor old Dan Lido himself once. Did you really? He did indeed. It, it, it was in a panto I first met Mrs. Mandeville. Eight years ago. I brought her in as principal boy. Of course, we don't do that sort of thing now. The wife has raised the tone of it. I guess you're putting on school for scandal. Yes, yes. Well, well the wife likes these, what she calls, classical comedies. Mm -hmm. Now, just between you and me, I reckon they're a sight more classic than comic. <laughs> Still, not that we didn't have the classics here before, you know. We had Henry Irving one time. Sir Henry Irving and the Bells, it was. Really, oh, yes, yes. Yes. Right, here we are. This is my little den. If you listen, you can hear them all acting away on the stage above us. Hey? Oh. Yeah, that one's singing. This yes. Ah. Here's to the sorting oh. That's it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, Miss Moroni. Yes, now, uh, her dressing room's bang opposite, down that little corridor, see? Oh, yes, yes. Um, who's the woman outside? Oh, that's Mrs. Sands, my wife's dresser. Bit of an old tartar, but loyal as you like. And the gentleman? But he's our leading man, Norman Knight. Bit of a um, star, isn't that what they call them nowadays? Yeah. Uh, anything up, Mrs. Sands? I beg your pardon, sir. Any sound from the prima donna? I haven't heard anything. Not for some time, sir. And you, Norman. Oh, by the way, this is Father Brown. I'm sure you recognise Norman Knight, Father Brown. Oh, I am... Um, Charles. Uh, anyway, you heard anything from La Maroney, old chap? Earlier on, there were a few what sounded like curses, but then the rest, shall we say, was silence. Oh, blooming neck. Do you think she could have done herself in, Father Brown? Well, if she'd been a German, gone away to think quietly about metaphysics and Weltschmerz... Sorry? I should have been, yes, Weltschmerz. I should have been oh. all for breaking the door down. Well, these Italians don't really die so easily, and are not liable to kill themselves in a rage. Somebody else, perhaps. Uh, yes, possibly. It might be as well to take ordinary precautions if she comes out with a leap. Oh, blimey, that's just what we need. <coughs> Hello? Who's there? Uh, it's me, Governor. Oh. There's uh, someone here who wants to see you. Well, tell him I'm busy, Mandy. will you? Oh, God. Hello, Lady Miriam. How kind of you to call. Uh, allow me, Lady Miriam Talbot. What this a is... 
fine costume. Don't tell me you're playing Canon Chasuble. Okay, or can... is that some other play, Monday? Oh. oh. Poor dear Oscar. My mother knew him, you know, and he was all the rage before... No, no, Father Brown's not an actor. He's now, a real... it's, it's, it's... Wait a minute. Don't tell me. It's Norman Wright, isn't it? Norman Wright? Knight. Lady Miriam. Knight. Not right. What's not right? No, he, he's not... He's a, a knight, my lady. Oh, what a gaff. A knight. I'm so sorry, Sir Norman. Oh. Now, you do forgive me, don't you, Sir Norman? Yes, Lady Mirabel. Monday, I can't come tonight and I don't want to. Yes, well, I like mind. writers and I especially like actors, eh, Sir Norman? But I don't like plays. They're a bore. Yes, As well, I say, I can't come tonight and I don't want to. But... I've never seen a rehearsal in ordinary clothes. Yeah. Might get a bit funny, you know. Hmm? You simply must let me see a rehearsal. That'll be different. Lady All Billy. those funny people in the wrong clothes. <laughs> Somehow nowadays, Sir Norman, one can never find a thing one's never seen. Well, I cannot have. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, gents, if you'd excuse me just a minute or two. Of course, Lady Miriam, I can give you a box for the rehearsal, if you wish it. Oh, topping, Monday. Thanks awfully. Not at all. Perhaps your ladyship would come this way. Oh, yes. uh, I wonder whether Mandeville can be so much of a cad. He actually prefers that sort of woman. Prefers her to... Uh, yes. Perhaps we'd better relieve Mrs Sands, Mr Knight. Yes. It's all right, Mrs Sands. You can have a rest now. Oh, very generous of you, I'm sure. Pity no one thought of letting me off earlier, and I might have got a bite to eat. Goodbye, then, gentlemen. Oh. Our Mrs Sands is rather a rough diamond. Has she been with Mrs Mandeville long? Oh, yes. She was with her touring the classics before she met Mandeville. I think Mrs Sands thinks this place is rather a come-down for her mistress, as between ourselves it is. Oh? I certainly wouldn't dream of playing here if it wasn't for the opportunity of acting with someone of Mrs Mandeville's talent and, I may say, character. Ah. What she's doing married to the sort of man who brings in little Italian... Yes, yes. Speaking of little Italians, I feel I really ought to perhaps try to make some sort of contact with Miss Moroni. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yes. Scusi, signora. Scusi, signora Moroni. Sono un amico di signora Mandeville. Porca puttana! Vado nell'inferno e lasciami in pace! Uh, Capisco perché la gente non si rende uh, conto uh, che io... Yes. Uh, what she said? Yeah, I think I'd rather not translated, but uh, at least we know she's alive. Oh! And kicking, it seems. Kicking? Well, she seems to be breaking glass with her feet. A uh, looking glass, perhaps. Oh, dear. Ah, Mr Mandeville. Hello, Father Brown. Sorry about that. What news from in there? Well, we've established she's still alive. She hasn't committed suicide. Oh, well, that's a relief. As old Baden-Powell said on Mafeking Night, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you think I should get Sam, the stage carpenter, to get the door off its hinges? No, not if you want her to act in the play. No? If you force the door, she'll raise the roof and refuse to stay in the place. If, however, you leave her alone, she'll probably come out from mere curiosity. Ah, you're a clever man, Father Brown. But of course he is, dearest. Come along, Jarvis. Yes, Mrs. Mandeville. Dear Father Brown, I'm sorry we had to abandon you. Mr. Jarvis and I had to finish that scene. We couldn't go any farther without Mariah, of course. 
Have you had any success with our little Italian Dermogen? Yes, Father. Did you manage to communicate with him? Uh, yes, Mr Jarvis. We did um, exchange a few words. Father Brown thinks we should leave her alone for a bit more, you know, let her stew a bit. In that case, I'll get Mrs Sands to keep watch again and we'll get on with rehearsing the scenes in which she doesn't appear. It was a pleasure to meet you, Father Brown. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get back to the office then. Thanks for the trouble, Father Brown. I'm sorry to have dragged you out here. I must insist that at least you let us give you lunch. Oh, yes, that's most yes. kind. There's a capital chop house right next door. They know me there. You tell them to charge it to me. Oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, it's possibly. the least we could do, must. Father Brown. Oh. Mr. Jarvis, we'll be rehearsing the fourth act. I'll get someone to read in for you. Oh. Would you take Father Brown to lunch as our guest? It'd be a pleasure, Mrs. Mandel. Oh, that's settled then. Now, everybody, the fourth act, not a dress rehearsal. Very well then, dear lady, not a dress rehearsal. Good. I could wish the costumes of this infernal period weren't quite so elaborate. Oh, I'll see you later then, Father Brown. Yes. Enjoy your meal. I must get stuck into some paperwork. Cheerio, all. Ah, uh, anything else, uh, gentlemen? Oh. We've uh, some very uh, tasty stew. Oh, no, no, thank you. I couldn't eat anything else. Yes, Mr. Mandeville was right. This is an excellent place, mm. and really, it is most generous of him to pay for the meal. He's a strange one, Mandeville. He used to be as jovial a philanderer as ever sauntered down Piccadilly, mm -hmm. but now there's some sort of shadow in his life. Maybe something on his conscience. And I doubt whether it has anything to do with his fashionable flirtations. Well, look at the way he treats his poor neglected wife. Neglected? Oh, yes. It's pathetic the way she sometimes admits she wished she had a more intellectual life. Yet, she always does her duty. <laughs> but I'm afraid I must be getting back. Uh, waiter! Yes, Mr. John. This is to go on Mr. Mandeville's bill. Uh, yes, sir. Waiter, you know Mr. Mandeville well? Oh, yes, sir. Though he doesn't come in as often as he used to before he was married. But then we don't go to the theatre nowadays. Not since he stopped doing pantos. Ah, yes. Wonderful they were, them <laughs> pantos. They had Dan Lino as the dame once, Father. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Well, my wife was in that. She was the princess. Was she, sir? Yes. I'm afraid I can't recall her, sir. Oh. We only had eyes for the old dame. Marvellous she was. <laughs> he was. Of course. That's it. That's what's the matter with our Italian friend. Is Miss Moroni a good actress, Mr Jarvis? Oh, yes, I'd say she is, rather. She has quite a reputation, in fact. Mm. Yes, we must get back. Um, did I have my umbrella, waiter? Oh, I'll uh, just get it, sir. Thank you so much. You know, there is generally a perfectly good reason for mad Italian rages. Mm. The Latins are far more logical than we are. It was an excellent... Hello! Oh, well. I think this gentleman wishes to see you, sir. Why, Inspector Bagshaw, what are you doing here? Well, I could say the same of you, Father Brown. You seem to get everywhere. Well, we do consider ourselves the Catholic Church, Inspector. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't quite follow. Anyway, I'll tell you why I'm here. That theatre you were at this morning has been a murder. What? Not Miss Maroney. No, not Miss Maroney, Mr... Uh, I don't believe I've had the pleasure. This is Mr Jarvis. He's one of my parishioners. He's also an actor. Oh, delighted oh, to meet you. Oh, oh, Mr Jarvis, the actor. Well, Mr Jarvis, can I ask you, where were you between the hours of 12.30 and 1.30 today? He was having lunch with me. Was he? Oh. Oh, well, one more to cross off the list of suspects. Uh, no offence meant, Mr Jarvis, but 
You were my last hope. No. Inspector, and will you I please can tell you, speak? it's not Miss Moroney who's dead, though she has gone missing. What? When Mr. Knight found the body, they decided to break her door down. Well, it's understandable. Anyway, they found she'd gone, smashed a window, and climbed out. Good Lord! Then who is dead, Inspector? It's Mr. Mandeville, sir. Mr. Mandeville? Stabbed in his office when the door was locked, and everyone apart from you, sir, was on stage. As witnessed per Lady Miriam Talbot, who was watching them. Never come across anything like it. And that old cow in the corridor... Uh, Mrs. Sartes. Oh, yes, that's right, that one. She swears blind no one went near his office. Anyway, I'd be glad if you gentlemen would come back to the theatre with me. Yes, I'd rather sir. take your statements there. I left a young constable in charge, and you can't trust him these days. But I've already told you all this before, Inspector. If we could just go through it again, Mr Knight, in case we missed anything. Hmm? Very well. As I said, we were all on the stage when this dreadful thing happened, beneath our feet, as it were. Mm -hmm. We just finished rehearsing Act Four with poor Mrs Mandeville. <laughs> there, there, dear. Well, all of us except Mr Jarvis. Yes, I've spoken to him. Please continue, sir. We couldn't do much more without Miss Moroni, so Mrs. Mandeville knocked on her husband's door to ask him to do something. And what happened then, Mrs. Mandeville? Oh, I, I, I knocked several times, Inspector, but could get no reply. I was naturally concerned that my husband might have been ill. Yes, yes. Mr. Knight gallantly volunteered to break the door down. Uh, which you then did and found the corpse, oh. and I quote, lying forward on his desk, stabbed in the neck with an old property dagger. Oh. Inspector, hmm? have a care for the lady's feelings. Um, um, I'm, I'm very sorry, Mrs Mandeville, I'm very sorry to distress you further, but is there any other entrance to Mr Mandeville's office? How do you mean, Father Brown? Well, is there, for instance, another door? Oh, no. It was just a sort of wooden box built under the stage when we stopped doing those awful pantomimes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm afraid this has all been rather a shock. Would you excuse me? Oh, of course, Mrs. Mandeville. Oh. Mrs. Mandeville. Oh, 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 Mr. Knight. Thank you. I'm afraid I came over a little faint. Mr. Knight, perhaps you would be kind enough to... But of course, dear lady. If this inspector will allow me to leave... Yes, go on. <sighs> That is very strange, Inspector. Oh, Lady Miriam. Now, now, what's that? What's strange? I'm sure Monday told me his name was Wright, not Knight. I say, do you think that's significant? I doubt it, Lady Miriam. Um, what I when should exactly like to... did you leave your box, <coughs> Lady Miriam? Oh, the very moment they finished that thing they were doing. I mean, it was all jolly interesting, but I was getting a teeny bit bored. So I popped down to say thank you and bye-bye to poor Monday. Yes, if, if I were you, Lady Miriam, I'd, I'd go and have a rest. It's all been a nasty shock. Mm. If Inspector Bagshaw has finished... Oh, yes, yes. yes. You, you go and have a lie down, Lady. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Poor old Monday. What about me? Can I go to? Ah, oh, dear Mrs. Sands, just one thing. What? 
You are quite sure that no one went into Mr. Mandeville's office? Like I said, I was outside all the time, nobody came, I didn't fall asleep. Yes, and before you ask me again, that <laughs> Italian thing didn't come out neither. And I didn't hear no scream from him. Satisfied? Thank you. Now can I go? Don't leave the building. Tar very much, I must say. My opinion is that Mrs. Sands is a grumpy, gloomy sort of card. You, you think she's lying? Is that what you mean? Uh, no, no, I, I think I meant it more or less as a detached study of character. Mm. Well, if it's not her, it's got to be the Moroni woman, though, how she did it. What a conundrum. Oh, dear. I've just realised. Mm. I rather fear I myself was a witness to Miss Moroni not being the murderer. What? Yes, it's very foolish of me. Oh, I should have realised. You see, an hour or so before the murder, I heard her smashing something. I stupidly thought she was breaking a mirror. But I'm sure an actress would be much too superstitious to smash a mirror. Of course. Yes, she must have been really? making her escape by breaking the window well before the murder. So it has to be, Mrs. Sands. Then God knows why she'd do it. Oh, I'm sure God would know. If she had done it. But, but, Father Brown, you said she was an unpleasant character. Yeah. Well, I certainly said that Mrs. Sands' sulky look was a study in character, but not in the character of Mrs. Sands herself. Um, if you want to know what a lady is like, don't look at her, for she may be too clever for you. Don't look at the men around her, for they may be too silly about her. But look at um, some other woman who is always near her, and especially one who is under her. You will see in that mirror her real face. And the face mirrored in Mrs. Sands was very ugly. The true face of her mistress was mirrored there. Surely you don't mean Mrs. Mandeville? Everybody regards her as a person of the most exalted ideals, almost moving on a higher plane than the rest of us. I suspect that, um, like her servant, she is perhaps, uh, as the inspector would say, something of um, a cow. Oh, oh, come God. on. I'm sure Mrs. Mandeville's behaviour towards the Italian girl was beautiful. Oh, on the contrary. It struck me from the very first that she was being unfair to that poor Italian. And it was brought home to me in the chop house. Do you remember? The waiter had forgotten your wife as the beautiful princess, but only remembered Dan Lino as the old dame. Oh, oh, wait, wait, yes. wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Dan Lino got to do with it? Well, Dan Lino had the star part. Isn't that the word? The matronly dame? And besides him, the beautiful princess was comparatively unimportant. Now, in the school for scandal, the star part is also the matron, Lady Teasel. The part Mrs. Mandeville so, so charitably gave herself, while the part of the, the beautiful young heroine, as she called it, must be Mariah, which is hardly a part at all. Yes, that's true. Yes, if the Italian was, as you say, a first-rate actress who had been promised a star part... She really had some excuse for her Italian rage. Father Brown, I can't accept your view of Mrs. Mandeville. In all the time I've worked with her, she'd never complained. Oh, what you mean is Mrs. Mandeville told you she never complained. As she told Norman Knight, she never complained, and probably every other man in the company. <sighs> but in private, oh, yes, she complained. And yet, really, what did she have to complain about? Nobody pretended that her husband drank or, or, or beat her or left her without money. And though he may have been something of a philanderer before he met her, I suspect he was so much in awe of her as to have been completely faithful as a husband. 
Miss Wilmot looks at the facts. Apart from the atmospheric impression of martyrdom she contrived to spread, the facts were really quite the other way. Mandeville left off making money on pantomimes to please her. He started losing money on classical drama to please her. She wanted to play Lady Teasel in the School for Scandal, and she got to do so. And no doubt she arranged the scenery and furniture as she wanted. Yes, yeah, but, but what's that got to do with Oh, you, you've lost me again. What are you getting at, Father Brown? Can we, um, can we go down to Mr Mandeville's office, Inspector? Well, if you want to. You want to view the corpse? Uh, no. I want to view the ceiling. Ah, yes, look up there. I thought so. You see, Mr Jarvis? Yes. Yes, I do see. Good heavens. Well, I don't. This used to be a pantomime theatre, Inspector. Hmm? This office is built under the stage. It's full of all sorts of tricks and devices. Immediately above us is one of the trapdoors. That was how the murderer got in, down from the stage. But everyone was on stage. You think someone popped out in full view of everyone else? No. No, the plan could only work in the fourth act of School for Scandal. Of course. Of course, the famous fourth act. Look, I only went to a board school. Will somebody please explain? In the fourth act of the play, Lady Teasel spends a very long time hidden behind a screen when her husband arrives at an embarrassing moment. She's technically on stage, but... but... Mrs Mandeville had fixed for the screen to be around this here trapdoor. She could nip down, catch her old man on the words, pretend she had something to say to him and... Oh. Yes, and that was Mrs. Mandeville's alibi. I think I'd better go and have a word with Mrs. Mandeville. Hmm. What about motive, Father? Oh, I, I suspect we need look no further than Mr. Knight. You think she's in love with him? I do hope so, for really it would be the most human excuse. Hmm. But I have my doubts. She wanted to get rid of her husband, an old-fashioned, vulgar, suburban hack, not even making much money. Yes, she wanted a career as a brilliant classical actress married to a rapidly rising actor. She was always dogging her husband in private, hoping to use one of his former liaisons as an excuse for a divorce. He died because he wished to remain faithful to her, and she could not bring herself simply to run away with her lover. Her ladylike values demanded respectability, and she was prepared to kill for it. In The Actor and the Alibi by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs. Munden Mandeville by Peter Jeffrey. Mrs. Mandeville by Sheila Grant. Inspector Bagshaw by Bill Wallace. Ashton Jarvis by David Brierley. Norman Knight by Charles Bailey. Lady Miriam Talbot by Fleur Chandler. The House Manager and the Waiter by Jonathan Scott. Mrs. Sands by Pauline Letts, and Miss Moroni by Karen Asco. The actor and the alibi was adapted by John Scotney, and the director from Bristol was Alec Reed.
Thank you.